Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. I am your host, Richard Urban, coming to Restore Carpets Ferry, West Virginia. We bring you news and views from God's point of view. And today we have part six of the family rooted in absolute sexual ethics. We're very happy to have Jamal Johnson as our guest today. Hey, Jamal. So I'm going to, uh, hey, get started as always by reading, uh, sharing the screen and reading the um, speech, the relationship between the spirit and the physical body. However, in the relationship between the spirit and the physical body of a human being, the spirit is the more important of the two. The physical body lasts for about 100 years before it ceases to function, but the spirit lasts eternally, transcending time and space. Isn't even a person who does well in this earthly world bound to die? Therefore, before you pass on to the next world, you should achieve harmony between your spirit and your physical body by living your earthly life in such a way that you meet the standards of both the physical and spiritual worlds. In other words, you have the responsibility to perfect your spirit within your physical body based on the finite life you live in the tangible physical world. This does not mean, however, that the perfection of your spirit self happens automatically. Only on the basis of you are having achieved complete unity between your mind and body during your earthly life by expressing true love through action can your spirit self fully mature. Ladies and gentlemen, in order for fruit to ripen and be put into storage in autumn, it must first pass through the growing process of spring and summer and be provided with the nutrients supplied by nature and the tender loving care of its owner. Fruit grown in an orchard by a lazy and ignorant owner will be afflicted with all kinds of diseases and be affected by foul weather. Eventually, it will fall from the tree before it is ripe or be classified as worm infested. Though it will still be fruit, it will be different from other fruit since it will never be good enough to sell in the market. Fruit that is fully matured on the tree will automatically go into the owner's storehouse. Similarly, only when the spirit of a person has reached perfection during his life in the physical world, which can be likened to the tree, can it automatically enter the incorporeal spirit world of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, a person will enter the kingdom of heaven in heaven automatically only when he has qualified for and enjoyed the kingdom of heaven on earth by living as a fully mature person while in his physical body. While living on earth, your every action and movement is recorded on your spirit self without exception, with the public laws of heaven as a standard. Accordingly, you will enter the spirit world in the form of your spirit self, which has recorded your life on earth with 100% accuracy. Your spirit will show plainly whether you've led a ripe life of goodness or a wormy, rotten life of sinfulness. What this means is that it is not God who will judge you. You will be your own judge. If you're aware of this astonishing rule from heaven, will you spend the remaining days of your life on earth in selfishness and immorality, succumbing to all the temptations of Satan and in pursuit of nothing but pleasure? No. Rather, you will abstain from injuring and scarring your spirit bodies, even at the risk of your earthly life. Please bear this truth in mind. Whether you are bound for heaven or for hell is determined by your thoughts, words, and deeds in each moment. Nevertheless, when you look into your lives, 
Undeniably, your outer self and inner self are in a constant relationship of conflict and struggle. How much longer will you allow this fighting to continue? 10 years? 100 years? In contrast, there is undeniably a proper order for all forms of existence in the universe. This indicates that God did not create human beings in this state of conflict and disorder. You need to know that it's your duty and responsibility as a human being to dispel all temptations directed at your outer self, your physical body, and to perfect absolute sexual purity and be victorious in life by following the way of your inner self, your conscience. Heavenly fortune will be with those who lead their lives in such a way they will attain the perfection of their spiritual selves. I'd like to get your initial comments about the um, reading there. You know, what are your initial comments on it? Oh, my goodness. There's so much. There's so many layers even to the way that a guy like me breaks something like that down. He's, He's talking about He's talking about preparing for the spiritual world as ripe fruit. And, you know, every fruit has an ideal, has an ideal. Like, you know, an apple, a healthy apple, when you see an unhealthy apple, you just leave it on the shelf if it, if it turned already. And so that, that begs the question, if this apple or this fruit is a good analogy and fruit that are ready for the market or good enough for the market that, um, that, was, that was brought up, then if you're gonna use that analogy, then there is an ideal way for a human being to be. Um, an ideal purpose to fulfill. And, you know, it, it mentioned ignorance, um, and it also mentioned, um, I think, weakness or image, laziness and ignorance, it mentioned. Right. So laziness and ignorance are, are problematic. And based on the fact that we have free will, I don't think that God can put upon us or force us to learn what we need to learn. So one of the things we should discuss or ponder is what does it mean to be the ideal human? Because that is, that is, the, deter- that is the determining factor in whether or not we will be accepted by the cosmos. And, and that's really what I would like to touch upon. The first thing I, I thought to touch upon, like what is an ideal human? Well, if the human being is tasked with being the mediator, center of harmony, Lord of creation, then one of the things that we have to be able to exemplify is that we understood the minimum requirements of a, of a Lord of, of creation. We, and um, that's why Father mentions sexual love so much. Because one of the minimum requirements of a Lord of creation is to bring the Lords that come behind you, your children, into the world under certain circumstances, under certain healthy circumstances. Um, So it's not only how you exemplified 
some minimum standard of care for your contemporaries, but, or, you know, love, uh, agape type love and these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But the, the love that you give to posterity, generations that you'll never meet eyeball to eyeball in this physical plane, you're thinking about them in the way you set your children forth. And um, father said, when you have sex, your children are present. So I, I, I take that to mean, well, the, the potential of your sperm is present and that ovulating egg is, is present. But spiritually, the contents of your, your, your child, your intention and your responsibility, your standard of responsibility towards your future generations, that's also present. And it should be consciously present. In other words, you should not be an ignorant maker of children at the time of conception. You should be fully matured, knowing exactly what penis going into vagina fully means for the world. That right. Would, yeah. That would make you a lord of creation. Since the dividing line of a heavenly world and a hellish world is that act, either we destabilize the psychology or shore up the psychology of those children based on what how we regard them from the beginning or you know um we do it in ignorance and haphazardly and these children the worst of it is that they one have no connection to their purpose it's our job as children of god to teach God's grandchildren who they are. That, that means the kid has to come into knowledge of the plan that set forth the entire human race so right. that he can, take, he can take over as a Lord. He can tell his children what it means to be a human. Um, but if you did it haphazardly, you're probably gonna be delinquent in that area as, as a parent. So father would say things like, when you have sex, your children are present because that awareness of what you're doing and, and, and it's bearing on the cosmos is also present. And whether you conceive or not, you're saying, obviously you don't know if you're going to conceive or not, but yeah, that's amazing. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, um, like I said, our responsibility to posterity is one of the facets of um, a matured person. And like, like I said, whether you conceived or not is, is beside the point. It's the, the full matured responsible intentionality behind sex acts between humans, right? between, between men and women. That's just one of the facets of a, of a, a Lord that knows what he's doing. Because your children are going to multiply your standard and that standard is going to affect your neighbors and your neighbor's descendants. And there's something you can do about that. And in ignorance, you never consider that through sex being done a certain way in a certain consciousness mm -hmm. that um, you're already affecting your neighbors and the descendants of your neighbors. Okay. Right. So that's interesting. I mean, really interesting. So you're talking about the intentionality of, you know, 
of having sex and the effect that, you know, it has on the children that, you know, may be created or the whole, um, yeah, I mean, the whole purpose of having sex to begin with. And here in the reading, it also says that you should, you know, keep, it's saying toward, toward the end, you know, keep, keep that standard that, you know, your outer physical body should perfect absolute sexual purity and be victorious in life by following the way of your inner self, your conscience. So, you know, maybe we sometimes might ge generically think of the purpose of creation as, you know, like Genesis 1:28, be fruitful, be a mature person, multiply, have dominion. But, but you know, True Father is saying here, it's really, you know, to perfect absolute sexual purity, which should be, you know, before marriage and in marriage. You know, oh, keep yeah. that. That is actually the purpose of life. So it's not just a nice idea or something you ought to do. It's integral to the purpose of life. Would you say that's right? How could you be a human knowing the fate of the future of the world based on certain principles practiced and their and 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 the aftermath and not do your best part of doing your best for the sake of posterity and the future of the world part of doing your best is once you find out that certain type of parenting affects the community and the world once you find out you have to care about the what you're doing as you set forth new lives. And, and of course, we know that that moment is the sexual moment. That's the moment when you're setting forth new humans, you know? Um, so if you feign ignorance of the connection between your sex act and the fate of the cosmos, whether the cosmos is in the hands of delinquent souls or the cosmos is in the hands of Loving people who appreciate their life, whose who, 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 who's cup overfloweth, and they're able to take care of the angels, the animals, the all things, because they're overflowing with a sense of completeness. If you are delinquent sexually, many times it leads to the absentee, absent, <laughs> absentee, I'm just thinking about these daggone ballots. It, it, it absent fathers, um, delinquent parents, and this bears down on the child psychologically. It gives them certain psychological pressures. It keeps them unsettled many times about the, the question of whether or not they matter. Um, you know, because, uh, hey, what do you do with an absent father except assume that you weren't good enough to keep him around, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that's a very, I mean, as a society, as people, as children of God, we ought to be talking about that a lot more as it's, as we know, it's so common for, you know, cohabitation. What do you say to people? I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question or discussion, but they might say, well, you know, I'm using birth control, whatever. I'm not having any children irresponsibly or, or with some kind of thing like that. All right, let me see if I need you to state that in a different way. Did you just say, what would I say to people that go, I'm good enough because I'm using birth control. I'm good enough, I'm responsible enough because I'm using birth control. Is that what you're saying? 
I guess so. I mean, that's not, I mean, you know, my mindset. I'm just trying to put in some kind of, some kind of thinking from what people might say, you know, oh, well, I'm, you know, not creating children irresponsibly. So what's oh, the big deal? The, the typical liberal cop-outs. Yeah. Okay. I guess so. You know, yeah. so that pretty much, yeah, something like that. Um, it allows them to disrespect sex um, by you by saying I'm going to use it for some point in my life, and maybe at some point at some point in my life I'm just going to use it for pleasure, and that's what contraceptives. That's the hope behind contraceptives. Contraceptives are the hope of using sex for the purpose of. There's three purposes of sex, bonding, pleasure, and procreation. And um, so I'm going to use it for bonding. More so, it seems to be women that really care about the bonding. Because, you, you know, they say uh, girls will give boys sex in order to get love, and, and boys will give love to girls in order to get sex. Um, so there's an exchange of... Um, these things in that kind of relationship where she says, Hey, give, I'll give you pleasure. If you give me pair bonding, the thrill of pair bonding and vice, vice versa, he's, he's, he's making a, a inverse deal. Um, so contraceptive tries to take away the, um, the gravity of, of, of procreation, right? Of course. Right. But if you get addicted to that, have you set forth a responsible attitude in the way you behave? So what goes on to your spirit body? A condition of responsibility or irresponsibility? Shirking your responsibility to think about what's going on for the future. I mean, the name Planned Parenthood. They say you're planning parenthood, planning parenthood. But we know that's not true. Your plan, the function of Planned Parenthood is to serve people who are planning to unparent the child that's in their womb to remove, to, to break the connection, you know? So just the idea that you're going to be like using contraceptives indefinitely, you'd have to do that with a solemn attitude, knowing that you're cutting out God's will or God's, you're cutting out you're cutting out God's will in terms of what he may hope for your future children. You're able to ignore his attitude about that. And you might do that. You might get addicted to being in that, in that, in that mode where you never come around and awaken a part of you that thinks about the sake of, the, of posterity. And it sets a condition like, like, like the other mature lords sets a condition to do something with intentionality to leave this world in good hands by raising good children. Yeah, and also there's there's physical side effects, like I mentioned in previous episodes, about people who are using birth control for like 10 years and then, uh, well, women using birth control, finding they can't get pregnant. There's a huge fertility industry that didn't even exist, like, more than 15 years ago and um it's just a, a huge really a big crisis part of it pr may be to childbearing later but i think a lot of it 
is due to infertility due to use of birth control. It affects your yeah. fertility. My aunt couldn't have children. Um, she got four abortions before the age of 20. And that, that means that she was born with the ability to have children. But she ruined it. And when she became, when she sobered up as an adult, thinking more, she got married, couldn't give, uh, get, couldn't give Luke, which is my uncle, couldn't give Luke any babies. And some of my family members have said or thought that that's what drove her to drinking and she passed away, bad liver, state of Connecticut wouldn't give her another liver because um, there, there was another guy in the state that wasn't an alcoholic. They gave it to him. It was like the last liver. But that was, that, that's the story of her life. And where did that, that tragedy start? It started at playing with, um, you know, her reproductive powers and potential. So yeah, it has that too, you know. Um, but you know, this reminds me, it, when you trick the system, a lot of times the residue, it's weird. I'll give you an example. I used to tell kids, oh, your heart is gonna, you know, sex glue, you're gonna bond with the person that you have your first relationship with. And then we have two right. pieces of tape. And, and we go, this is your bond. And then we rip the tape off and then all the glue and the stickiness is, is, is depleted and it doesn't work well the next time you try to reuse the tape. And so that means your ability to bond uh, is decreased because of the past pains and the ripping effect. And I would tell them that, you know, a breakup is emotionally the same as a divorce, you know? And, right. um, it, it, you know, legally is something different in, in the world, but emotionally it's the same as a divorce. So once you are scarred up because of these little mini divorces, they're not even mini divorces, they're just divorces. Um, you know, your heart will become hardened. So some kids say, well, I got to trick Mr. Johnson and I got to debunk what he said. So they'll go, well, I just won't care and to begin with. I'll have sex with the intention to turn off my care. And I say, mm -hmm. okay, we'll try to turn it back on when you get ready. And you can't easily do that. You trained yourself. You almost right. disrespected a part of your heart and the other person's heart in order to do that. And the guilt for doing it all for yourself when you try to turn it back on, even as a part of yourself that won't let you enjoy it because of how ruthless you were turning it off for your own little selfish purposes. So, you know, what's, what's the word? Taciturn? You become taciturn? Um, cold? You become emotionally mm. cold on purpose? You can't turn that emotional coldness off and become a warm person. Part of your conscience will tell you you're full of crap. When you try mm -hmm. to turn it back on, you're trained too much to be cold. And you turned yourself cold just so that you didn't have to regard what Mr. Johnson was bringing to your attention about the way love goes in life. Right. So, so what is the thing with um, being on contraception as a lifestyle? You are turning off part of your humanity you're turning off part of your sensitivity and then you expect to just turn it on. There's going to be problems with that. 
you have to respect the fact that there's going to be problems with that if you're going to try contraception. So, you know, it's like trying uh, aspirin. You could take aspirin for a headache, but if you take, you know, Tylenol, you'll ruin your liver if you take too much Tylenol. You know, you can take right. it for a headache here and there, but you can't live on that as a lifestyle. It's not a food. Right. Right. So yeah. You're definitely talking about it, hitting on the, you know, like fundamental uh, truth, really the fundamental truth of the universe. You know, this speech is uh, titled, if we read the full full title, The Family Root in Absolute Sexual Ethics, which is the model for God's absoluteness, peace and ideal and the global kingdom. Wow. So it's not, you know, I mean, this is the core of the universe. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the idea that the, the, the creature that has the greatest impact on all other creatures is the human. You have the right and the privilege and then the pleasure of bearing humans. This is how we are most like God. And you want to play games with it? So if you're ignorant and you didn't realize you're not in the conversation that brings you up to speed on how impactful that act is, okay, that's your excuse. But that doesn't change the fact of the way the universe was created to have human beings, true, conscientious, knowledgeable, responsible um, human beings as its center. As its dry, as its caretaker, and the multiplication of humans is the most powerful act in the entire scenery of what goes on here on Earth. Yeah, I mean, there is nothing. When you talk about trying to perfect an era, okay, perfect, perfect a nation for a hundred years, write a perfect constitution. If you don't have absolute sexual morality as a as a as a clear norm in that community you'll have like what we have now right here two days ago you have people totally resolved to break rules and disrespect the will of the masses because they just don't have enough conscience they just don't have enough conscience and why and why are they justified? For many of them, they felt like they were never loved, so why should they care? And, and where does that come from? It starts in the home. And that is why we've known this from the 90s. When the single parent rate reaches 30% in the community, the juvenile delinquent pro delinquency problem mm -hmm. drives foot traffic off those streets. Businesses have to get up out of that city and leave. It becomes an inner city because of the crime rate. You're saying at 30%? Yeah, yeah. And so the and now it's just like in places like D.C., East River, D.C., or, well, lots of parts and other cities, it's 75%. Yeah, but nationally, we reached 30% recently. Nationally. Wow. Yeah. And that so used to be... In the 60s, Monaghan and whoever, those people writing those reports, were saying 
that it was a huge crisis. Now in certain communities, they're talking about the black community, but whatever, it doesn't matter what color it is. It's the same effect that, you know, that was a huge crisis. And now you're saying we've surpassed not just 25, but 30% nationwide. And like, it's like, and, but you don't hear this, like, it should be a huge alarm, like, oh my gosh. And it's kind of like, oh, you know what I mean? That should be a constant discussion. That's part of the reason, of course, or the reason we're getting this message out. You know, it has to get out, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so then you would understand why the number of people who absolutely don't feel obligated to reciprocate love abound. There's so many of them. There's so many. If you have an emotionally bankrupt person, he actually, when he has the opportunity to be heroic and care for another person, a lot of times they talk themselves out of it because, it, it, because in interest of fairness, they think nobody did that for me. And that starts in a home where there was a problem in the flow of parental love to that person. So you think you can, you think we could just constantly, as the, the national body can, can thrive if we're constantly, let's, let's say we're consuming new citizens with every birth. The, the, the new citizen is added to the, to the, to the body, the national body. Okay. If you eat too many children that are bound to be, they're bound to work against their conscience on purpose because they think this is not fair, who talk themselves what? out of being heroic, who talk themselves, then when you get somebody carrying in a box of crap ballots, who's disenfranchising hundreds of thousands of people, they just don't care. They just don't care. When you, you say, cons- have- yeah, go ahead. No, continue. Well, how could there be that much wickedness to say, I see your will and I'm going to disconnect you from your will. It's a, it's, it's, it's a very murderous, it's a very, and this goes back to the garden story. Father revealed that the, the eating of the fruit was sex. Then the next generation kills. The next generation kills. Why kill? Emptiness of heart. Not feeling obligated to be heroic. I'm not going to save you from my wrath. You made me angry. You, you deserve it. Uh, uh, uh. You know, it's interesting. It's a little tangent, but it's related. So last election cycle, we had, you know, the emails that were revealed um, supposedly from the Russians, but that was complete crap. We know that. Actually, there was a guy in D.C. His name was Seth Rich. And um, virtually he said, uh, uh, um, not Snowden, the, um, my mind just went blank. Anyway, the guy who released the emails. WikiLeaks. Huh? Yeah, WikiLeaks. Rattan. He said in so many words, and I, I, I did cover that, you know, at that time, that actually he didn't say, but he said it was Seth Rich who leaked them. Okay, so and Seth Rich was not some Russian or Republican operative. He was working in the DNC, and is, and here's what I believe happened. Only God knows for sure, but he and other people who are trying to cover it. But his conscience bothered him. He copied the stuff onto a thumb drive, whatever, and he gave it to Assange, and he paid with his life. They murdered him. 
So that's the kind of people you're dealing with. And I don't think it's any less wicked right now. It's If anything, it's as wicked or more wicked. Yeah. I mean, I got I got cousins laughing over this election. I'm a smart person. I can make my case. But they live their lives having multiple children out of wedlock, different baby daddies. The way they live is disgusting. It's unfair for their children to be separated from their fathers. They keep thinking that they should enjoy opening their legs again with another guy. They, they don't disallow themselves from doing it again. And so when they look at themselves and they, they know that I taught abstinence, they know what I stand for, never cheated on my wife, all my children by the same woman, it burns their conscience, it bothers them. And rather than treat me with, um, you know, some measure of respect saying, man, I wish I could live like you, they sit there and wait for me to be hurt, like by, by this election. And, um, you know, because uh, she was just laughing, knowing that I really cared about this election. And the treachery, the more treacherous it seems that the Democrats would be, the more she wanted to laugh at me. So, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, like, when I say people, before they become murderers, they murder their conscience. They, they, they look at their conscience as some enemy. That kind of that's trying to get them to, you know, share their resources and be heroic. And they're like, why? They fight in their conscience. Like they fight their conscience inside their mind. Fighting you? That's easy. Because once they kill their conscience, fighting you is easy. Tormenting you is easy. Discarding your dead body, easy. That's why everything goes back to our parental obligations to children. And that parental obligation is supposed to be in place before we even lay down and have sex. Otherwise, since humans are the most impactful thing on the cosmos, you cannot say you love the cosmos. And Father said, you know, um, loving your spouse is loving the cosmos. Um, the, your responsibility to the cosmos is absolute sex. In other words, that's the way you really demonstrate that you're taking care of the cosmos. You never let the devil use your sexual organs to put a demon out here in the world with, with the rest of the people. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it's talking about the conscience in the latter part of this um, reading. So, I mean... Uh, the conscience wouldn't tell you to, you know, procreate, not procreate, but well procreate or have sex outside of, you know, wedlock, outside of God's plan. But the body does. And then you're suppressing, like you said, your conscience, because everybody has a conscience, period, you know. But the conscience needs to be informed also by the truth. So, of course, whatever you believe as your belief system or lack thereof is going to affect your uh conscience but somewhere inside you still have the original god part or original mind as we call it but yeah you're suppressing it you're right well one of the things that the, the, the reading was talking about is okay you suppress your conscience 
then on a daily basis, you're putting vitality elements of that rotten fruit. You know, because you're going to get to a community on the other side that knows clearly whether or not you placed the cosmos in a precarious position in the way that you produced humans or not. Okay? They're going to know. And your standard is going to be on your spirit. Exactly. And you're, and you're going to know that you were irresponsible, that you were, you were the body of false parents. Yeah. And that, and that that was the most powerful act you did in, during your earthly life. You're not it gonna is the wanna, most powerful thing. You're not going to want to hang around those people. You will be fruit that doesn't even, you, the fruit doesn't even want to be brought to market because the fruit doesn't want people at the market to pick it up, turn it over, and see that, that, that sore on the back of the apple. The fruit doesn't even want to be looked at like that. So the fruit says, put, put, me in, put me in the garbage. Put me in the garbage where I don't have to see these people's eyes evaluating me. And we call that garbage can hell. And people, yes. the, the divine principle brings a revelation that you're the one who chooses to go to hell. And Father, you know, further clarified, it's because the, the feeling that those people's probing eyes, the, the saints, the, the clear people, the people that were more responsible and more reserved with their sexual potential, you look like crap in front of them. And they may smile because they learned how to love and forgive you, but you can't even receive it because you're too embarrassed. And so you'd rather hang around with people who were irresponsible like you, which means you got to go hang out with their children and their, their, their descendants who followed suit. And those people are murderous. Right. Amen. So I think, yeah, we're coming toward the end. Yeah. I mean, this is so profound. I mean, you're right, you know, you connected it to the whole thing that's going on with this very dishonest, dishonest, corrupt election system. And anybody on any side, you know, we've been discussing online, don't, don't tell me, oh, it was just, everything's okay. Don't tell me that when you have a system where there's no accountability for who voted, that's baloney. How does that benefit anybody? That's a rotten system. Right, the, the 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 failure to have a chain a chain of custody, where, you know, the point where people deliver their ballots, there's a tally right there, and some responsible person saying, this day, this batch, of twenty five was collected, sealed, and then they, and then you pass it to the 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 mailman. And the mailman is charged by new voting laws to write down those tallies on another sheet of paper, another document that can be tracked. And then when he takes the multiple batches, all 100 batches and their, their individual tallies go on with documentation. I mean, we're not even being responsible to that degree. And yeah, and you know, that's unlikely to be able to implement that. They really should. I was uh, reading one art, one study. It was saying that you know they really should get rid of the um, how do you say mail-in voting. So it's always existed for some people, like military, that makes uh, is necessary. 
perhaps for older people who are in the hospital or something. But this stuff now is is totally it's not it's not it's not on a sustainable system, and it's there are many cases of fraud, and you know absolutely it's not it's not honest. Mm -hmm. I remember one sister said, "I'm voting for Biden now." And then the next week, the laptop came out. And then you had, you had, oh, how do you change your vote as a top Google search? Is that so, right? So, so there, there should be a moment of truth. And everybody, the candidates get to appeal to you until then. And then there's a moment of truth. And if you don't care about that election, you don't go down to the polling place. But this thing where we serve the, 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 the whims, look, you're setting a condition when you go to the polling place. But now you don't even have to have enough integrity to walk down to the polling place. Because they go, we know that we can manipulate your emotions and then milk a vote out of you. So we'll just right. come to your house when once we put some programming on that triggered you and got you mad enough, we'll, we'll seal your vote right there. Even though the next morning you calm down and you, you come to your senses, <laughs> and you screwed. You screwed. Yeah, if it even has that much integrity. Yeah, you're right. Ballot harvesting is actually, I, I didn't know that. I was researching my uh, show, by the way. Check that out if you haven't seen it, the one they did last night. Anyway, in California, ballot harvesting is legal, and they're trying to legalize it in Nevada. And they're mailing ballots to everybody and their uncle in Nevada. And they're like, you know, literally piling up in like foyers and everywhere. And then in Nevada, they didn't allow people to even see the signatures, which is kind of not, I wouldn't call that very good security, better nothing. Well, they didn't even see who the signatures when they opened it. They didn't allow them, which means all those votes are invalid. Who the heck knows who signed them? Somebody could have gone in an apartment building, picked up 20 of those things that are lying around, filled them out for Biden or whoever. It's completely invalid. Yeah. I mean, to just touch back on, how did we get to people that would murder your will to this degree? Murder your, your um, you know, the vote, your vote. Um, they don't care. They're absolutely not conscientious. And we, we, by being sexually delinquent, have allowed that to reach whatever tipping point it needed to reach. And um, so we have to uh, repent. We have to repent. I mean, we're dealing with murderers. We're, talk we're just talking about spirits, a form of spiritual murder, to take your will, to take your vote, and just invalidate it, okay, which is which is basically the one civic thing that you do, your civic responsibility, and just invalidate it. It's like stripping you away from your own nation. This is, the vote is the only interface people have with the nation. So they literally, they literally ripped you away from the nation. They are cold-blooded people. Yeah, um, so I think, yeah, you're right. And, and, and so, you know, the nation really has to repent. Conversely, Father said, if you secure absolute sex teaching in your nation, 
That's abstinence before marriage, fidelity within marriage. Your nation will go straight to hell. And people don't connect the But that means that the likelihood of you having emotionally stable people who like to do heroic things because of the way they were raised in their house, that number of people like that will go up. That, yeah, that absolutely. Number, yeah. That number, the nuclear family can satisfy people emotionally. So, that, you know, the community doesn't have to uh, really do much to pay the bill, you know? That, yeah, I agree. So the integrity of the whole nation is connected to sexual ethics. I, I agree with that. And, you know, yeah. True Father, you know, Reverend Moon is, is right about that 100%. And it's no, no coincidence that a lot of the things you see going on, whether it be Hunter Biden, as I've talked about, involve egregious, you know, breaks of sexual integrity. That's not a coincidence at all. Yeah. Hey, hey, Richard, I, I, I got to, uh, I got to hit the, hit the yeah. road. Let's wind this up. My wife a little something, something. Yeah. Hey, it. thank you so much, Jamal, for being on, and do, uh, do it. Also, uh, join us next week. We appreciate so much. We pray that you'll stay, stay stable and, and um, how do you say, in God's will, I believe that, you know, with God and his word, we will prevail, but we have to fight. I don't mean that's physically fight, but, you know, but fight for our rights, fight for goodness sake, fight to teach this truth and propagate it and for your right to do so. Yeah. So. I pray Amen. God receive this conversation as an offering. Yes, and sir. Use it, and use it in whatever whatever way that He most needs. And Amen. And 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 if He find that He could use it to call some whistleblowers out over this ballot count treachery and tip the scale towards justice, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us today. I am your host, Richard Urban, with Jamal Johnson, coming to you from historic Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Do be blessed. And we will see you next time.